0: happy wednesday everyone
1: uh in case you forgot who we are because i forgot to say who we are on monday i forgot
0: to yeah uh i'm emily and i'm jonathan
1: and this is the snakes cast we talk about board games
0: and this week we're talking about board game apps Today's board game apps aren't just necessarily uh, a simulation of the tabletop game on your tablet or your laptop or whatever. We're starting to see some actual physical tabletop games now that have an app, either as an enhancement or as an integral part of the actual board game. And today we're going to be talking about those. And happily, rejoining uh, rejoining us today is Suzanne Sheldon. Thank you so much for coming back to the show, Suzanne.
2: I'm glad to be back.
0: So... This goes way back to like the early 80s and games like Stop Thief and The Dark Tower, but those never quite caught on. Why weren't these electronically enhanced board games more of a big deal back then, do you think?
2: Well, I might take uh, issue with the idea that they didn't catch on. I think that both Stop Thief and Dark Tower in their era were, were pretty successful for what they were. And I think that because technology ages out and production changes, demand changes, things like that. Um, you know, they, they kind of faded away and and became maybe you know kitschy moments in gaming history. But I think that based on just when you talk to people that played those games back there, back then, and their really fond memories of these games, I I'd, I'd say that they were, they might have been a little more. Popular than than we might be we might think today looking backwards right because they're comical today right the technology <laughs> back then was ridiculous.
0: Also, my impression is that they didn't really catch on. They were kind of a novelty that didn't really become a genre, anything like today's board game apps have become. And I'll, I, I I guess you're right. I mean, I, I, I had a copy of Stop Thief, and I loved that game.
2: I think. Technology Technology just changed too. I, I I do think you're right. You know, it, it they never took off in that. You know, all of a sudden you had dozens and dozens and dozens of board games, and you could also argue that that's related to production costs, development costs, um, things like that. Because in many ways, those games were cutting edge to include these electronic items in the box, which also you know was a costly thing. And I would have to look back, and I haven't done this research. You know, what you know, even things like the economy at the time. I mean, was there a recession that would you know mean people were holding back on their discretionary? spending that, you know, things like, I mean, it's, it's likely very complex, but the, the, the idea of technology and board games, to your point, goes back as soon as technology could be made portable on any level, right? Whether you're shoving this ridiculous looking, uh, device into a box in, a uh, you know, Milton Bradley box or, or whatnot. It's, it's technology and board games have been going hand in hand. Uh, VCR games would be another example that I would put in oh, that Oh, right. Like family. nightmare. <laughs> right. And, uh, they've, they've been in games for decades. So the idea of a companion app on um, a mobile device is, in many ways, not a new concept in board gaming.
1: Uh, I like the idea of, as technology develops, people taking newfound technology and applying it to things that they like. So, like you mentioned, you know, as soon as technology became portable, you know, people were trying to, like, throw electronics, portable electronics at, like, whatever stuck, right? And, yeah, like, as soon as VCRs became, like, inexpensive and kind of, like, ubiquitous, then people were making videos of, like, everything, including of board games. So, I, yeah, I think that it is... Important to consider the fact that as technology changes and becomes more accessible, people are going to want to stick it in everything that they love.
0: Right. So like, to speak. <laughs> to, to that point, I mean, the first thing that any new media technology gets used for, of course, is pornography. Yes. And then after that, <laughs> various different hobbyist things. And uh, yeah, you're, you're I, I totally agree. It's, it's as soon as something gets sufficiently widespread, like tablets or smartphones, mm-hmm. uh, people who are passionate about stuff they love are going to find ways to incorporate that. Mm-hmm. And it looks like board games are very much in that uh, in that exact same category.
2: And in board games, we're really seeing a a spectrum of integration. Obviously, there's a billion board games that have no technology, a digital technology integrated at all. And everybody is perfectly happy with that. But then, you know, you see things like XCOM, and I'm really not sure if XCOM I guess XCOM was likely the first board game that basically required an app. I think it have uh, been the
0: first high profile one mm-hmm. for sure.
2: Fair enough, fair enough. You know, and of course, they took into account the fact that maybe somebody doesn't have a phone that you know a, a smartphone, so you know they made it available online um, as a web property as well. Uh, but you know, that's that's a game that you had to have this app. And while many things in the app could have been handled with analog components, the app just made it so much easier and less fiddly to, to play the game. And on top of that, the app, um, because of all the things that could be integrated from the timer, etc., it kind of uh, up to the tension of playing the game as well, which in that particular kind of game, that's perfect. You know, on the other end of the spectrum, you end up with things like, Uh, the Sheriff of Nottingham score sheet, right? Sheriff of Nottingham is a a wonderful, fun, light game. But at the end, the accounting is pretty hefty. And, you know, as you're counting up the different goods that you've managed to get into your market and things like that. And so, you know, the the publisher realized, hey, you know, let's make this Arcane Wonders made a little app. And all you really do is use it to score. And it just, you know, enter your chickens things and things like that. And uh, it just makes scoring easier. And can you play without that? Absolutely. It's completely unnecessary but it's a nice little companion to make something in the game a little easier.
0: I remember the Seven Wonders scoring app being a big deal because the scoring in that game is just so opaque.
2: It's a nightmare. It's It's a total nightmare. It's
0: rough going. And having that app really makes your Seven Wonders games go a lot more smoothly, especially at the end.
2: Yeah, that's a great example. Another example is One Night Ultimate
1: Werewolf. Oh, yes. Oh, it's so good. We were just talking about that before we started recording. I find that One Night Ultimate Werewolf takes everything that sucks about Werewolf and gets rid of it, you know? Because Werewolf, you know, it takes so long and somebody can't play because they have to moderate and then somebody gets kicked out round one, has to sit around for 45 minutes watching their friends have fun,
2: and that sucks. And One Night Ultimate Werewolf gets rid of all of that. I personally totally agree. I... I love One Night Ultimate Werewolf because of the quickness and the engagement and everything. And I appreciate, like, I see people at conventions all the time that are passionate about werewolf. So, you know, I'm, I'm always a little hesitant to overly criticize it because obviously it has, you know, a huge number of fans out there. But, oh, for my money, I definitely would prefer One Night Ultimate Werewolf. And the app just makes the whole thing more pleasant. And I really love uh, the work that Bezier has put into just keeping it up to date and adding features. And it's still a very simple app at its heart, but it makes playing the game so much better. That's exactly what the best companion apps do, is they make playing the game better.
0: As far as integrated apps are concerned as well, they're the kind that you can't play without them, I think we've got a really interesting sort of case study available now in Mansions of Madness. Because mm-hmm. here's a game that had a first edition where all the stuff is done in a traditional analog manner with cards and dice and tables and charts and all this business. And when, uh, when, when when XCOM was released, there were a lot of people asking, are there ways to simulate this without the app? And the answer, of course, was no, because the timer is awesome. And having one person whose job it is to pause the clock at key moments, I mean, that, that was that's fantastic. You can't simulate that with sand timers and this sort of thing. But uh, in the case of Mansions of Madness, the second edition kind of almost demonstrably is a game where you could absolutely not use the app and just have analog components. That's called Mansions of Madness First Edition. <laughs> and uh, the, the app is integrated. I mean, you, you when you buy Mansions of Madness Second Edition, you need the app or else you cannot play. But you could simulate those and if you wanted to, you'd get the exact same experience as First Edition. But... Playing 2nd Edition has been a real revelation for me because the app is so well done. It's so good. This is a complicated game that has a lot going on under the hood, Mm -hmm. and the rules explanation would be quite involved if it weren't for the fact that this program is handling almost all of the heavy lifting on these things. Um, You never have to look something up because the app is just saying, all right, here's the choice that you're facing.
2: I think it's phenomenal. And what what I find amusing is I have friends that had kind of abandoned Mansions of Madness and traded away their copies and things like that because they just could never get it to the table for a lot of the reasons that you're talking about. Uh, the fiddliness and the setup and and the complexity of the rules and having to have somebody, you know, be an overlord when maybe somebody at the table didn't want to be the overlord and, and things like that. And the app completely solved that and it reinvigorated. I mean, this goes back to our discussion the other day. It, it I think that app reinvigorated Mansions of Madness and, and likely increased its sales and interest in the gaming community in the game itself because the app improved the gaming experience so much. And I think when you look at – I think that that's a perfect example um, when you look at how does technology – Impact board games positively or negatively. I think that that's a phenomenal example of how technology can improve upon a game and make an analog game even better.
0: Especially yeah, games have a lot of uh, bookkeeping and physical mm. stuff to do, like deck building games with mm. all their shuffling. Um, something like a Tales of the Arabian Nights-style game, I think, might also...
1: Benefit from a friend app, for sure. Yeah. Compagn- companion app. So much easier
0: Benefit. to find the entries and have them just come up right away, mm. and there it is.
1: One of my favorite things about the Mansions of Madness app, and I think that it's something that I haven't seen a lot in either companion apps or just, like, app versions of board games, is that every now and again when you're kind of, like, wandering around, you know, the hotel or the street or whatever, you have a puzzle to solve, and the app will pop up with a literal puzzle on the screen for you to solve. You know, like <laughs> like one of those, like, sliding things, like, with, um... What's it called, like, um, A sliding
0: block puzzle. Yeah, I'll like see. a sliding
1: block puzzle or, like, stuff like that. Like, it really takes the idea of this is like an app and just it to the next level, integrating all of these things that you literally would not be physically able to do with just an actual board game. You know, like the game itself, if you had, like, if it was all analog pieces, like, you wouldn't be able to have one of those things. You wouldn't be able to have a sliding block puzzle. You wouldn't
2: be able to have one of those little code spinner, like, codex things. You know, those wouldn't or you work. Or could, you could, but it would be tremendously expensive and heavy and bulky and ridiculous, right?
0: Exactly. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that's kind of ironic about this, kind of weird, is that there's a physicality to those puzzles that's really mm. satisfying. The clicky sounds yeah, that you make when you move slide. those pieces around—it almost it has a, almost the same physical, tactile appeal as uh, as a board game, mm. and yet it's 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 a digital component.
1: And you're right, Suzanne. There could be like real pieces, but the thing that I enjoyed about it was like the surprise. It's like okay, I'm gonna like open this drawer, and I click the thing on the app, and then suddenly there's a thing for me to do, right? And it, it kind of ups kinda the like,
2: narrative experience. Yeah,
1: like it's all part of the narrative. It's
2: a treat. Yeah. And, and that's an interesting – Jonathan, you really hit on something I had not thought about until you just said it. But you are absolutely right. As device technology changes and improves, the haptic response on the device that can, can be coded into the experience will actually – Change the way we experience that, too. I mean, you can imagine different kind of puzzle games, et cetera, that are so subtle that you know, as you're sliding things around or unlocking things, you get real subtle sensations under your fingers um that can be integrated into the experience of the game. I love that, and I hadn't thought about that before, but that's a really good point.
0: Like as we get more and more devices with gyroscopes and rumble effects and stuff. Yeah, um, totally. Imagine being able that—that that would be super cool. I can't wait to see where that's going to go.
1: <laughs> I'm just imagining like playing a board game with the companion app that's like plugged into one of those movie theaters with the seats that will like move with like, the movie. <laughs> oh you know? yeah, like you plug a in your smartphone and then you're like walking around, you're getting chased, your sh- chair starts to shake and like slide oh, please around. Please
0: tell me you're piloting a giant robot when you're doing this.
1: <laughs> Probably. I mean, I don't see what else you could possibly be doing. Maybe flying a plane. You know, like. Flying
2: some sort of device. Or, yeah, driving a, a vehicle. Yeah. yeah, driving a vehicle. Now, I do want to point out that, you know, one of the things with, like, Mansions of Madness or some other games that you, um, whether it's a companion app or or even a, a, I think you used the word simulation earlier, you know, an actual full implementation of the game in digital format, there are so many benefits. One of the challenges I've actually found is that, because the app takes care of so many things for you, you actually don't either learn how to do them yourselves or you forget, and you can't translate all those skills if you ever were to play without. So things like keeping score or setup or, you know, board state switchover and things like that, when you do it with an app, on one hand, it's so convenient and so easy. On the other hand, if you have to try to do it later in real life, I've had this happen to me where like, I have no idea how to set this game up because... I'm so used to the app doing it. Why well, I don't know what to do now. Um so there's, you know, there's always pros and cons to anything and and that's definitely one of the things like uh, I've noticed be kind of a an interesting twist on the digital experience.
0: In some ways, yeah, it can sort of lower the barrier to entry for this because uh, obviously, as, uh, you know, as as game gurus at Snakes and Lattes, for me and Emily, we know the challenge of teaching people the rules to games and how uh, how rough it can be sometimes uh, to have to explain all this detail before people can even begin to make their first decision. Even uh, you know a, a relatively light game something like a Pandemic, uh, there's a lot we have to go through before we can get to the point. Mm-hmm. Where people can start having fun.
2: Another example that you know of of how apps can enhance or improve an analog game is the Renegade board game app. Uh, this is a companion app that Renegade is enhancing as they release different games. And you know, in the beginning, they just kind of had a timer, uh, which is a great feature and things like that. So Renegade produces Lanterns, Fuse, and Clank so like fuse is a real time dice game and so they released a little companion app with um a timer on it you know and it's it's all branded and it looks like it matches the game and it's it it makes the gameplay you know pleasant but they've gone beyond that and so as they have new games that they they think can have a digital component they're enhancing this app with with upgrades so the latest example of that is for their deck building game clank so this is a combination of a dungeon delve and a deck builder and if you haven't played it you know you're going down through this map and you're trying to steal these treasures from a sleeping dragon and then if you make too much noise the dragon wakes up it gets grumpy and tries to eat you and you have to escape and it's it's really really fun um, and I've played it with two, three, and four players, and, and, you know, huzzah, what a blast. But in a total surprise to everybody, because I wasn't expecting it, and I know the people at Renegade, um, they updated the app, and all of a sudden, people started noticing, wait a minute, there's a solo variant in this app. And for sure, they ended up creating a solo variant, so you can play Clank on your own, and the app controls the rest of the game. So, all of a sudden this this deck builder that you were you know playing with opponents and things like that that's a great game. There's more value in the box that you already own because the app was enhanced to add an entirely new gameplay mode, a gameplay mode that probably wouldn't be possible without the digitization of the the AI and things like that and I love when publishers do that, and I think that that is um. I hope more publishers think about it in, the, in in that way, of how can I get players more value out of what they're buying from us uh, just by updating a little app? Well, they've done that also
1: with um, Descent, I believe. Like, they've released, like, a companion app. I don't know if it's for the base box set, but I think there's, like, little, like, side adventures that you can get that come with a companion app that's... That is base- that's very similar to the app that you get in Mansions of Madness because of the same publishers, and I guess they got the same app developer as well. And another thing that it does, in addition of just, like, it can be the overlord for you, or it gives you the opportunity to have the app play the overlord and you play by yourself. So for somebody that likes you know big long campaign games but can't get people together or just maybe doesn't want to play with people maybe just wants to play by themselves, <laughs> then that sort of stuff is great, right? Like it's interesting that it can apply to like a quicker, simpler board game like the one you were mentioning, Clank. The Clank? Clank, yeah, I was like, oh god, fuse Clank. Clank, um, but also something significantly more drawn out and complicated like Descent, right?
0: A lot of people really don't like having to have one person against everybody else. They'd much prefer to play a fully cooperative mm-hmm. game. And uh, the advent of app technology, like the one for Descent, uh, and apparently the one for Clank as well, um, means that you don't actually have to have that. So that used to be a necessity in order to keep a game from spiraling out of control and complexity, to have weird sort of, you know, AIs for all the, uh, for all the antagonists. Now we've got a machine that can handle it for you. So everybody gets to be on the same team.
2: Yeah, that's so cool. And I think that's another great example. And the only other thing that I thought would be fun to bring up when we're talking about board game apps, companion apps, and digital with board games is... uh, what and and the example I'm going to use is actually going back to the beginning of this episode. Stop Thief, uh, Restoration Games. Their mission is to take older board games and restore them, updating them mechanically, visually, modernizing them, and reintroducing them to the modern board gaming world.
0: What a cool company!
2: I think it's pretty cool, but I'm biased. Um, <laughs> but Stop Thief is a, is a perfect example, where in you know the 1980s game, you got this this cool tricorder looking thing with buttons and things like that. And for those of you who aren't familiar with Stop Thief, it is um, a hidden movement game where you have this map and there's a thief, you know, lurking around and the way that the old game did is that you had this electronic device that would make noises, and the noises would indicate kind of where the thief was, and you would use those noises to deduce their location. With Stop Thief, the restored version, uh, obviously, the what used to be in that clunky device is now just an app that you'll be able to download to um, your Android or iOS device. Uh, and obviously, the sounds are more sophisticated and polished, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. But That's not why I brought it up. The reason why I brought it up is by moving it into an app form and modernizing the technology, Stop Thief is more accessible as a game, because whereas before, if you uh, were hard of hearing, it was hard to play the game. But now with the app version, they can include visualizations on the phone that match the sound. So whereas maybe you're hearing footprints in the app, you'll see footprints go across the screen. So whether you're hard of hearing or hard of sight, you you have an option with this app to be able to enjoy the game with everybody else and removing some of those barriers to play. And I really think that that is a phenomenal use of technology. I'm very much an advocate of making board games more inclusive and accessible. And I love seeing technology being used to do that in a really fun game.
0: Fantastic. So that'll be it for Wednesday's episode. We're going to be back on Friday, though, and we're going to dig a little deeper into the broader cultural ramifications of board game apps.
1: And Suzanne will still be here, and we're so happy for it. Yay! Yay!
0: All right, we'll see you then.